welcome to the last episode of season one of the Ready for Polyamory podcast. As always, I am Laura Boyle and I am your host. So today we are here with Ken Briota, my partner, and uh, we are here talking about polyamory in the media. So... Today's episode was always supposed to be the last episode, but it was originally supposed to follow two other episodes that were going to be giving it a little more clarity than it currently has. So, originally, there were two more episodes that... I technologically, dramatically messed up. You guys may know that when I first started the Patreon, I promised a lot of videos of me making technical snafus. And there mostly aren't videos because I didn't know when they were going to happen. So I don't have video of me screaming at my computer going, No! Where is the file? How did I lose it? Why? Why did this happen? Because I didn't know when I was going to do that. Um, but guys, I lost three episodes at one point. And you may recall that I re-recorded on the fly the episode with of relationships with metamors sort of on the fly because there was a technical issue, I think I said at the time. And that technical issue was that I completely deleted three episodes. And that was the one that I could recreate. I couldn't recreate sort of beautiful discussions on building local community and on what building the semantics of our local communities looks like, what choosing the terms we represent ourselves looks like, and what good or harm it does to the community that polyamory has become our umbrella term, even though ethical non-monogamy is the actual umbrella we all exist under. And Relationship Anarchy covers us all and a bunch of monogamous. Um, and so, not being able to present those conversations first colors this conversation a little bit differently for me. And it doesn't get to for you. And so... I present this to you acknowledging that it's a much simpler conversation without that and knowing that I will miss you guys during the break and 
that I've missed you guys during the break already because I finished recording this a long time ago. And I will see you all for season two and send me requests for what you guys want to see in season two. Do you want those two episodes that I talked about? Or is that unnecessary complication that you don't want? Um, do you not want that 201 stuff in the podcasts? Do you only want it in the blog? Do you not really want it in the blog either? Um, let me know. Send me comments. Send me emails. When I get them, I am happy. So let me know and I will listen. Uh, or I will at least try to. Sometimes I don't. This is not a democracy. But anyway, I, here is me and Ken Briota having like our fifth or sixth iteration of this conversation because since we're partners, we had had this for fun three or four times on the telephone and then by Zoom once before where I forgot to hit record and then again by Zoom but where we were actually paying attention to each other's faces this time so that we would notice if I'd hit the record button or if I turned record off by mistake. So, enjoy the episode, guys, and I'll see you on the other side. So, you and I are going for the first time face-to-face. Tete-a-tete. Mano a femano. Uh, no, but so you and I are going to, for what I think is the millionth time, going to have this conversation about media coverage of polyamory. We are. Are we already having it? Is this technically on the conversation? Yes, we are now beginning the conversation. The conversation. The, the discourse. Conversation. The discourse. Welcome to Conversations. Yes, exactly. Is this going to be like an ASMR video? Should I have more mouth noises? Please. No. <laughs> so... I can't be the only person who can't do certain mouth noises. I mean, but, I hate them. I hate anyway, ASMR in general. So, Ken and I have an ongoing disagreement about polyamory and its coverage in the media. Mostly because I made a post that said... I'm really annoyed with the way polyamory is getting covered in the media. And Ken went, but actually, a, all <laughs> coverage is good coverage. <laughs> B, this coverage is actually really positive. C, let me tell you why I'm a professional. And I I'm went, not a professional. And I went, no, 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 no. Uh, that was me covering my ears as I said that. Nothing says good podcasting like a sight gag. Yep. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, guys, I forget that we're not all on a giant Zoom chat as I do this. If we were, we'd be talking over each other more and getting more annoyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
so here to reenact that initial conversation for you for I believe the fourth or fifth time due to a combination of me getting mad and technical snafus and Ken believing that I deleted information that I just didn't record because he thinks he won. I did win. He did win, but I also <laughs> just hadn't hit record. I believe you that you hadn't hit record. Here we are having hit record. So I mean, I hope so. It's recording. <laughs> you get the note of... Anyway, so onward. For the purposes of the listening audience, uh, what was that initial article that we uh, were arguing about? I remember, obviously, but, you know, for their benefit. So that initial article is from the Ready for Polyamory blog. Oh, it's, is that at readyforpolyamory.com? It is. Ooh. And you can find it linked in the notes. I will splice in the date here <laughs> because I don't have it ready because I don't have notes out. Nah, don't splice in the date. Who cares? Listeners uh, are forgiving. No, they're not. You're forgiving, aren't you, listeners? We love you. So the article was about... Sure. So it was basically about my big beefs with the coverage of polyamory in the media are that it tends to be about white uh, FFM triads uh, and really nobody else. And occasionally you get a like, oh, for color, we're going to throw in one polycule that looks a tiny bit different or shock horror, one of these groups has two men in it. Um, but monogamy plus one tends to be what sells and occasionally the non-monogamy is like a stepping stone to everybody going back to normal or it's things like you, me, her, that was a sitcom that ran for a season where, Everybody cheated and then they got into a triad somehow and then they fell out of love with their triad and oh look it was terrible and got no ratings and got canceled. Like I mean it was terrible. It was really poorly written. I don't think that was necessarily it was the concept's fault, it was the acting fault, it was the writing very much their fault. But it sounds to me, and it did sound to me last time we had this discussion, that your primary arguments are with lack of representation in terms of uh, types of polyamorous relationship and a lack of ori a lack of representation in terms of the spectrum of people who are involved in polyamory. And my argument was then and is now uh, that both of those are terrible and one-dimensional, but so is the media. And all, that is true every time they try to address a new issue, regardless of the reason why they're trying to address it, which is money. They don't have any values. They don't have any 
uh, social agenda. They're looking to make money. And so they want something initially when you're talking about a counterculture, and you can go ahead and check out the article that I wrote about this for the Ready for Polyamory blog, uh, assuming that that comes out before this. Um, uh, whenever they're talking about a countercultural movement like polyamory is, they will pick the least offensive version of that because just being a representative of a countercultural thing is shocking enough to the John and Jane Q publics out there that they will get the the rating boost on the shock value without getting the backlash of the, oh, but this is so scandalous. They want just enough scandal. And so just enough scandal is what we get as a general rule. Now, is that good in and of itself? No, I don't think so. Is it good in a broader sense? I do think so, because any uh, representation at all is better than none. And the fact that the John and Jane Q publics who are starting from zero are being exposed to the concept of polyamory as a thing is a good thing for people who live in their bubble, their circle, who may be polyamorous and don't have a way to talk about it or don't have a way to, to move them closer to uh, uh, acceptance or at the very least tolerance. Okay, so I've been holding up my finger to remind myself that I had a point. Mm -hmm. I noticed the because finger. Because while you make a very good point in saying that convincing Midwestern John and Jane Doe that like we exist and we're not scary is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made your argument by saying, is it good in and of itself? No, but is it good? Yes. That's right. Because and it so... is not good to say, here is a thing that is representative of everyone, because that's never true. But since the thing, it it is impossible to show the spectrum of uh, of all that can and is polyamory, in a way that is palatable, all you will get is backlash if you attempted to show everything. And so the the zeitgeist never changes. The thing moves, never moves forward. Is it good to say that white is the default and that triads are the default? No, because that's not actually true. But it is the most palatable version of it to your average person who is not at all exposed to polyamory in any form and in fact isn't entirely sure they're okay with their gay uncle yet they're like he's great but like other gays might be a problem so you've gotta you've gotta move these people slowly or completely write them off and you can't completely write them off if you want to get to the point where you get beyond mere tolerance which is garbage and get to acceptance which involves passing laws and so until you start to do that you've got to move the percentage of those people who are going to be open-minded enough to change or at the very least develop a positive opinion of something like polyamory that to them feels extremely foreign unheard of this just isn't a thing they've ever even considered it has no basis in reality to them it's crazy people Crazy people trying to break down 
the world and they're probably on drugs. So I guess my problem almost becomes this is this is kind of a silly thing but my problem becomes that they're not you know how the problem that the queer community had was that all of their worst stereotypes were getting represented and that's how their positive representation was getting put out there right and all of the people in the community hated it Right. All of the people outside of the community said, oh, gays are fun. And eventually, we got gay marriage a lot faster than anybody thought we would. Well, right. And so... <laughs> That's why I'm right. I, well, so it's why you say you're right. I feel like we're not even getting the worst of our stereotypes. We absolutely are. No, we're getting one of the worst it, of our stereotypes. We're getting literally the worst stereotype. One white dude and two girls, and they're living their little uh, commune life together, and they're <laughs> a happy triad, and he's right. He's the, so getting the high fives at work every time he tells everybody about it. Everybody hates that guy. Sorry if you're that guy. We all hate you. Right. And so you're like, saying you're the, the unicorn hunters are the worst. And so therefore... And that's who Unicorn hunters is. are the representation. Right. Because what happens is everybody in the universe who watches this that doesn't know anything about polyamory, all the guys go, hey, look at that guy. And all the women go, that's disgusting. And... The the two of them sit there and when, you know, a year from then, one of their friends is polyamorous because that's becoming more and more common, as we all hope and think um, they're going to at least have a place to start from. And their friend is going to get to go. Actually, that's not really how any of this works. This is how it works. And then she in this imaginary couple goes. See, I told you. And he goes, yeah, all right, I get it. And they move on with their lives. They've already got a base for conversation. If you don't have that representation at all, or much worse, if you have representation that triggers all the other biases that that same couple are sitting there with, um, then you get a much more negative perception moving forward. And you get a... Or you get no basis to talk about a thing and people stay closeted. They don't they don't ever talk about it and you never gain sort of the social herd immunity that to some extent the queer community has gotten over the years. Oh, uh, I guess I should tell everyone I use queer uh, positively. That's a different episode, but just in case anyone's listening and didn't like me using that. All which other biases that they're sitting there with because you use that really broadly yeah i did uh because um, and i don't know a lot of those people voted for trump and they have a lot of biases right i'm talking about all of those okay you can't it it sucks but it's a fact of the country that we live in if you put people of color in these things all you're going to get are the people who already agree with you to watch them Mm -hmm. and the other people are never going to even get through the door if you put uh, any piece of this that looks like queer culture in it, people aren't going to watch. That's fine. Because they're afraid I'm... of it still. And yes, that's not at all the majority anymore, I... 
I was just checking that those were the biases you meant. Yeah. Because I didn't know that that's who you were talking about when you said that that... Like, because you didn't say that that's who you were talking about. Sorry, that's who I meant. But because when you're dealing with with a group of people, like the people who are the majority of people, who don't have any basis of, of... they don't have any positive place to begin a conversation about polyamory on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bet every single person listening to this podcast has at least one parent or relative who went, wow, that is really weird. Or, uh, I guess you can do what you want, but I never would. Or, uh, but what about your kids? What do you tell your kids? All the same shit that, that, uh, Queer people here still sometimes, unfortunately, but definitely when I was growing up uh, all the time. I still haven't had a walk back on my dad saying. So like, but that's the thing. Uh, it was the 90s, not the 80s. But um, <laughs> well, but he means when you're lucky, he means how the parents in the 80s and 90s felt in the 2000s. Yeah, maybe when he was saying this in the 2010s. Yeah, like after their kids had to stop speaking to them for 10 years. Right. Um, but uh, all of that aside, that's getting cut. But <laughs> the 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 point is. That without the representation, and I don't want to extend this metaphor because the two communities are not exactly parallel, but Mm. without the will and grace or the uh, queer as folk or um, the the sort of proto-gay culture shows that became popular, will and grace way more than queer as folk, but I liked queer as folk, so watch it um <laughs> it was on showtime no one saw it so <laughs> the, i saw it it was a good show it was a better show than will and grace but everything was a better show than will and grace but without will and grace you never get the trope of the without will and grace my mom wouldn't know gay people yeah yeah exactly and so we haven't had our will and grace yet mm-hmm. and when we have it everyone who is poly is gonna hate it but it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to Polly. Mm-hmm. That's just it. And uh, just like Will and Grace, arguably is the best thing that ever happened to pop culture queerness. Because you had the stereotype of the buttoned up gay man in Will who has his shit together and takes care of his, his life, but is also a gay. And then you had Jack. And I think that's about enough said about that. Yeah. And and so the average uh, hetero straight world could watch that and go, oh, these guys aren't so bad. Jack's crazy. But look at Will. He's great. He maybe votes Republican. And um, so because of that, when some of their kids were gay, they didn't hate them immediately. In some cases. So what we need, I I would argue, is eventually a will and grace that all of us in the community fucking hate. (laughs) Right. But we still get behind and we still give the awards to. Right. And the problem with the community in general is that. We don't give the awards to anything. Well, no, we don't get behind the thing. Right. We say, no, it's not representative enough. But that's another discussion altogether about the media. uh, Mostly being held by people who don't understand media. Mm-hmm. But again, other discussion. 
So that's my, that's the core of my argument is that all media is good because all media leads to the, uh, for lack of a better term, will and grace moment. And eventually we'll get that will and grace, a stereotypical or reliant upon stereotype, but nominally positive portrayal in a safe way that the mass market of people can watch and go, oh, I can attach to this. I can, I can build a context around this. Well, so what I'm asking basically is at what point do we go, do we turn from tabloid to merely stereotype and flip from this is kind of positive tabloid to we're going to have a will and grace moment. When somebody makes one and it works. I mean, there's no there's no answer to that. You know, it, it's tabloid until it stops being tabloid. And I mean, look, it still it hasn't stopped for the queer community. Plenty of the tabloid stories make hay on XYZ is secretly gay oh, or sure. whatever. So like tabloid never goes away. Those people are trash oh, and they yeah. just never go away. But uh, I, sorry look, if you work for a tabloid, you're trash. You've given up all your values. I'm um, not anticipating but, <laughs> tabloids to go away. Well, right. It's but, more but they, how long do like not and not even how long do we anticipate them being our primary media outlet because honestly there's no way to know that well right but, it's just it'll be shorter than the amount of time the gays had to wait right it'll be shorter right, the, it'll the be the gays shorter had to wait a hundred years so yeah let's... It'll, it'll be shorter than <laughs> the than you know the african-american community waited is waiting let's be honest is waiting <laughs> yeah like, let's like it'll be shorter than that it'll be shorter than because there's white people involved yeah sorry it's just what it is what it is so like uh the there it'll be short obligatory plug for poly person of color's book go by kevin patterson's love is not colorblind it is excellent uh he is poly role models on all the social media follow him uh, End of plug for Polly Person of Color. Except to say, if you're listening, uh, Mr. Patterson, you're welcome on the show. Yes, always. <laughs> um, and I'd love to hear your response to all of this. Uh, but <laughs> um, the the answer is I don't know, but it'll be it'll be soon comparatively. It'll be within the next ten years, probably within the next five, assuming COVID ever lets performances happen again. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but it's good news that we've got more and more uh, sort of more and more media coming out, especially fictional media is happening as a result of the various streamings. It's bad news that we, that less and less of it is independent. It's almost all has to be done under the auspices of some kind of large studio that's owned by another conglomerate mm-hmm. because of capitalism. But um which means that it'll take that will slow it down mm-hmm. because the more money you've got to deal with, the less, uh, the more risk averse they are. And counterculture is risk. They'd yeah. much rather present uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor than Will and Grace. Yeah. But you know, uh, eventually we'll get Will and Grace. It's just what it will get, and it'll happen sometime in the next five to ten years, like everything in the future is predicted to happen. 
uh, every every time anybody ever asks. It's five to ten years from now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, too, will make that prediction. Uh, sometimes you're right. And then you look like you were awesome. Nobody remembers the ones you miss. That, by the way, is how uh, psychics work for anyone out there listening. Uh, they con you because you don't remember the misses. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so I think that it'll happen. I think that it's good that we have representation. Do I like the tabloid stuff? Even the stuff that I've done, that we've done? Not really. It's, it's just not very good. Yeah. But is it good that it's out there? Oh, yeah. So many people saw that and said, oh, I feel represented. I feel seen. That's great. Even though it's tabloid. It's great. It's good for the people in the community who've seen it and needed that representation in their life. Is it good for the the perception of outsiders? Eh, probably. Because it's at least awareness. They see that a thing happens. When it's presented as, look at these freaks, it's not great. But... Uh, it's still better than there being no representation, to my mind. I still think saying, uh, look, this exists in any format is good when you're a thing that previous to that didn't exist uh, in the general knowledge. Uh, it's still probably true that if you asked on the census what is polyamory to the American public at least, probably the global world public Eighty percent say they have no idea. They've never heard of the term. Yeah, you know, easy eighty percent. Uh, these statistics are not backed up by any actual science, uh, <laughs> but I'm guessing. Um, I think that I think that it's it's. Sorry, I whacked the table twice there. Uh, I I think that it's good that those are happening, and better when those stop happening, and that it's incremental over time. Things will get better in terms of representation, but where we are now is so fast. No one, no one had heard of polyamory 10 years ago. Didn't exist. Functionally was not a thing. The word only got coined 25 years ago. Right. Like, yes, people had heard of swingers okay, 30, from the 60s. I guess, technically, because yeah. it was literally 1990. Yeah, but like people had heard of swingers and communes from the 60s, and some of those were functionally operating as polyamory. Some of the books that are out were written by those people, but... Well, right, the, but the, the term was coined by someone at one of those communes. Sure, but, but no one had ever read that book. No one had ever heard of it yeah. outside of the community it was in. So it functionally didn't exist until about, you know, five to ten years ago. <laughs> and five to ten years ago, someone said, in five to ten years, people are going to know what this is. And they were right. Um, and so the, the struggle is that... Well, no, 20 years ago in San Francisco, they decided that they were going to make sure the world knew what this was. Right, and they failed and for about 10 years. They semi-succeeded by throwing it in as a side note in The Ethical Slut, first edition. Another book that uh, no one's ever heard of. Let's not kid ourselves. In this community, in our little bubble, yeah, people have heard of it. If you went to every single neighbor on your street, not one of them has ever heard the name of that book. That's not the Da Vinci Code. It's not a bestseller. It's nothing. It doesn't exist. Books don't convince people outside their own communities. Mass media does. I love books. 
but that doesn't work. It's not a thing that works anymore. It doesn't raise the I'm profile super of anything. I'm biased about books. I'm not, I love books. You know, I'm very biased about books. But, anyway. But in this professional context, so, books are meaningless. Right. The fact that that book came out. I, I know. Functionally so meaningless. So I did a lot of research about TV shows I haven't watched to get ready to talk to you about this. And I basically decided that you win. <laughs> because you also decided that because we've had this discussion four times and I win every time. Well, no, <laughs> I basically decided that because every time I've done a little more research and every time I, it's been a little more in your favor. Um, so most recently I looked up all of the shows that in any way mention polyamorous groupings and of all of the ones who do polyamory or ethical non-monogamy in any way that appears at all healthy, uh, there's a lot. Shameless, one of the seasons, does a big ethical non-monogamy arc. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Uh, I heard it's a good show. I haven't seen it. Yes. The Expanse, one of the characters, has an eight-parent polycule as parents. In uh, space, no one can hear you, Polly. Yes, exactly. And it's <laughs> treated as totally normal and whatever. And it's 200 years in the future, so like it's just been normal for so long that nobody questions that. They just question that he's weird because he's spliced out of like six people's genes. Um, Thank you, science fiction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and All the good representation happens in science fiction. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of other ones that have storylines where, like, yes, the ethical non-monogamy works for a little while, but it's just a stepping stone to discovering their monogamous twoove. Uh, so it's really just a love triangle with a complication. That you know uh, what? Hey, I just had a thought. I actually think that that improves the love triangle storyline, and I am willing to take that. As the better introduction to mass media of polyamory than uh, reality shows, which is what we were getting. Well, are getting, but uh, that's exactly so, what I was just going to say. I was, that's our barometer. When the romantic comedies shift from love triangles into triads as their plot device, oh. we know that we're about to get our will and grace. Yeah. That is our I'm, barometer. People start looking for this. Put your suggestions in the comments. And nobody has full on shifted yet, but a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, not sitcoms, but dramas have used it for like a half season arc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, there's more progress than I thought there was when I wrote the piece. It's fine when dramas do it. I want comedies to do it. Comedies are what changes minds. Sure, and your piece is more right than mine, even though my piece doesn't tell any lies. <laughs> so, my piece doesn't tell any lies. I, I'm going to now question whether his piece tells any lies, guys. My you, piece is also about news, which is a little different. News coverage and, and uh, news media uh, I'm using scare quotes here to some extent because of some of the examples I used in that piece, uh, which is very different than pop culture media and entertainment media to some extent. Uh, all of the various caveats. But um, I think that 
that news media is largely irrelevant when it comes to moving the zeitgeist and is only useful for reporting on it. Uh, and it won't do that in any major way until someone of importance is engaged in it publicly. So, like, here's all, let's all keep rooting for uh, Will and Jada Smith. <laughs> Good. So, regardless, thank you for having this conversation with me for the thousandth time. It's my pleasure. We'll keep having it. Eventually, I'll probably be overplay my hand and be wrong. So, the odds are in your favor. Yeah. Or we'll just reverse and you'll suddenly take on my role. It'll be great. Oh, do you want to switch sides? No. All right. You'll still win. I don't know about that. I don't know how. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thanks to Ken Briota. Uh, his The link to his new book, Stories and Sins, which is available on Amazon, is in the notes. And you all should buy it. It's wonderful. And uh, you, of course, should visit the blog. Uh, the links to both the original sort of screed against the media that I wrote and Ken's post on how all the news about polyamory is positive are also in the notes. And um, it has been a wonderful first season. And I look forward to recording season two. Please send us requests, thoughts, uh, looks forward, and uh, requests and looks forward for the blog as well, because we are here to stay. So, uh, thank you, listeners and readers. We are at www.readyforpolyamory.com, regardless of whether the podcast is running or not. Our Patreon is up to keep the blog and podcast up. Whether or not new episodes are coming up, we've got to keep the hosting running. And uh, that Patreon link is down there. So is the Ko-Fi. And we love you. Have a great day.